0: minus we're in single elimination play right now we're gonna have to put everything into each and every game it is great having the road to the Super
1: Bowl going through Lambeau that doesn't guarantee anything this is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports Packers Brewers Badgers Bucks the Wisco Sports Show is on the air here's your host Grant
2: Bills season's done. Packers, of course, now we have no guaranteed games left. We got the divisional round, and that's it. We could only have one remaining Packer game, so I guess we got one guaranteed game. I suppose it would be appropriate to start the show with a little bit of a rant, but I can't believe the season is done. Oh my goodness, it feels like just yesterday I sat down to watch Packers-Saints. But a rant about the regular season passing quickly kind of feels the same as that conversation you always have Around Labor Day with coworkers. You know what I'm talking about? You get into work the week after Labor Day and the kids are going back to school and fall sports are starting up and summer has very clearly ended. And that week you go to school or you go to work and you talk with people, everyone says the same thing. Oh geez, I I I can't believe the summer went so fast. I didn't get hardly got out on the lake and we didn't do this and that. Every year we do this. I can't believe summer went by so quickly. Yeah, it always does. Yeah, same with the NFL regular season. It's just such a mad dash where you play one game and you immediately start looking to the next and the next and the next and the next. And and all of a sudden, all the games are gone. And now we have a bye week. We can talk about some of the matchups for this upcoming weekend, some of the games yesterday that actually mattered. We went into the games yesterday thinking, oh, my God, 18 weeks and still none of these games are any good today. Well, surprise, surprise, we got a bunch of good games and I didn't expect that. So we can talk about that. We can talk about the Packers losing to the Lions. What even was the score? 37-30. Yep, 37-30. The fighting Dan Campbells and Amon Ross St. Browns beat the Packers yesterday. So we can talk about that and some of the games that meant just a little bit more. Should be a really fun show today. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. A lot to follow today. Not a lot related to the Packers. I spent my morning watching George McCaskey's press conference for the Bears after it was announced that Nagy was out and Ryan Pace is out and they're going to Search for the next guy, and I was watching George McCaskey's press I was like, man, this dude is something else. He's like Slender Man. I texted one of my buddies who's a Bears fan because he commented about I don't know, Matt Nagy's son or something. I was like, this dude seems like a weirdo. He's like, You have no clue. The dude is weird. He reminds me of Slender Man. This is of a nice mustache, but what a robotic, weird dude, George McCaskey. And then I didn't watch Spielman's presser it was the Wilfs but Spielman gave a statement and addressed the team and I guess Zimmer did not so today if that's your thing you had some press conferences to watch Uh, not introductory press conferences but the old classic press conference of we're letting this guy go and here's our plan moving forward and I guess the Bears are bringing Bill Polian into the fold I haven't thought about Bill Polian in a while the last time he was relevant was when he claimed that Lamar Jackson should try to play wide receiver instead so like obviously people were getting jokes off about that on Twitter This is a day very full of football content, right? Things that kind of bled over from yesterday, like that insane Sunday night game and Brandon Staley doing Brandon Staley things. And then obviously here in the NFC North, in NFC North country, some of the kind of aftershock of the Vikings and the Bears, both basically cleaning house and moving on. So followed all those today. I was watching suppressors and kind of enjoying that, obviously, from an outside perspective as a Packers fan. So we're going to talk about all that tonight. No guests, lots of time for you to get in and rant about, if you're not a Packers fan, maybe Vikings, Bears, we'll have time to rant about those teams and what they're doing, and of course we have time to talk about the Packers as well. 608-796-2558 hit me up, you can tweet me and follow me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. my first thought this morning, when I started to put the show together, was that we should start with Chargers Raiders, from last night what a great game, went to overtime, almost tied, and in that instance, both teams would have gone, so we had this overhanging possibility that if both teams just kneel it down, and wave the white flag at the end. They could both go into the playoffs. How wild would that be? So my first thought was to start with that. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, the, the Packers played yesterday. <laughs> That's right. We're a Wisconsin show. Maybe we should start with that. The Packers game may be the most boring topic from yesterday's slate, even if for us they are the most topical topic. Like, of course, they're a Wisconsin sports team. Maybe Washington football team versus Giants was worse, but even the Giants are so bad. Like, that that can't be boring. They're so bad that they're good and that they're entertaining. The Packers game may be the most boring game from yesterday, even if they're the most topical for us. But that's okay, because I think the best way to understand the Packers game and the Packers lost to Detroit, although the win-loss didn't mean anything, the best way to understand the Packers game is to talk about other games first. And only when we do that can we put the Packers game into perspective. So I actually want to put the Packers game to the side for a few minutes and talk about a couple of other things that happened yesterday. And I think that will crystallize what's going on with the Packers. So last night, like I said, L.A., Vegas, Both make the playoffs with a tie, and of course it goes to overtime, and of course it goes to the final seconds because it's Sunday night football and it's week 18, and of course it worked out that way. Like a couple of years ago and it was Seattle 49ers, they came right down to the goal line at the end as time expired. This was similar. Now, the Raiders win on a last-second field goal, and L.A. misses the playoffs despite Justin Herbert being awesome and having an amazing season. He was PFF's highest-graded quarterback to not make the postseason – there were a lot of things that went into last night's game. The Chargers started slowly. They had some fourth down attempts that didn't go their way. And then there was a timeout at the end of the game that everyone was bent out of shape about. This was an amazing game to talk about and a breakdown from a coaching decision perspective. I like being aggressive. I like trusting your offense. I've said this is my overarching take on the fourth down thing. I think that in modern football punts and field goals should be outlier events, especially once you pass midfield. Once you pass midfield, if it's close, you're going for it. If it's fourth and two, fourth and three, fourth and four, you're going for it. Don't punt, don't kick field goals unless it's fourth and long or unless it's some weird situation. Punts and field goals should be the outlier, right? Now, Brandon Staley sometimes takes that to the extreme and he called the timeout that was pretty meaningless, but everyone got bent out of shape about it. Right, Derek Carson. after the game, oh, the Staley's timeout really changed our decision-making. Really? Well, then your decision-making was dumb in the first place. Both teams were always going to play for a tie at last night until there was no longer a risk of losing. Then they're going to play for the win. And that's what the Raiders did, and of course that's what they did. Because that's how basic human psychology works, right? And football really isn't that complicated with how we handle it. Maybe Brandon Staley, who I really like, shouldn't coach the Chargers, who I really like. Because the Chargers are a team that finds ways to lose. They invent ways to lose. And Brandon Staley leaves no leaf unturned as a coach. So maybe as a combination, they're just toxic for each other, right? Like They're enablers. Brandon Staley, in the way that he coaches, enables a franchise to invent new ways to lose. I think the Chargers, they should get Mike McCarthy as their coach. They need someone boring, very basic, very simple. That's who they need, not Staley. Staley, I think, would succeed on any other team, but for whatever reason, his first year with the Chargers rocky so last night la and vegas you have coaching messiness let's call it for lack of a better term the 330 game the rams and the 49ers bizarre but awesome game rams jump out to 17 nothing lead then it's 17 17 then it's 24 24 goes to overtime and the niners drive down and win it i thought jimmy g toughed it out gutty performance couple of clutch throws But I think you could also claim that Jimmy Garoppolo was kind of the arsonist putting out the fire in this game, right? Like, yeah, what a great comeback. Well, why were they down 17 in the first place? Because Jimmy G didn't play very well for most of the game, right? So he made up for his own sins, which is great. I'm not going to argue that Jimmy G is some clutch god. I mean, we've seen him miss big throws in the playoffs too, but a really gutsy clutch performance yesterday. Now, the Rams win the division by default because Carson lost to Seattle. But it would have been two on the nose for Stafford and the Rams to lose yesterday and to come up short in the division because we've seen it with Stafford before. Twice in Stafford's Detroit tenure was Aaron Rodgers and the Packers out of the equation. So you can look at two years when Matt Stafford was in Detroit. The first is 2017 when Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and misses basically the whole year. Division's up for grabs. So Matt Stafford, right? He's the next best quarterback. He must win it. Oh, no. Case Keenum won the division that year. Okay interesting outlier 2018 the packers are bad and it's the end of the mccarthy era and rogers has got a bum knee and the packers are down and out so naturally stafford the great quarterback that he is rises up wins the division right oh oh no that was the mitchell trubisky year so we have examples in the nfc north where stafford had the door open for him to win the division and it went to some other random team that almost happened yesterday where we all coming into this year thought the niners were amazing they started slow we thought seattle I mean, come on, they're Seattle. Well, Russell Wilson gets hurt. They're not very good. The door is open. The Rams win the division. Arizona almost stole it. And it would have been Mitchell Trubisky all over again and Case Keenum and the Vikings all over again. Just when you think the sky's open and the door is clear and wide open for Matt Stafford to win a division, the Cardinals almost stole it yesterday. Would have been two on the nose. So you have coaching messiness in the LA versus Vegas game. And then in San Fran versus the other LA team, the Rams, Two different quarterback issues. Both teams overpaid for a non-solution, at least in 2021. The Niners paid big to try to upgrade over Jimmy G. Trey Lance isn't ready, apparently. The Rams overpaid for Matt Stafford, which was just dumb at the time. It remains dumb now. That's been my take all the way through. I'm right. Sorry. Now, let's look at some other games. The Colts, they just had to win to get in. Just win a game, and they were 16-point favorites against Jacksonville, whose fans wore clown outfits to the game. They, They couldn't do it. Maybe the worst loss ever, given the circumstances. The Colts, 16-point favorites. They lose outright, and as a result, they miss out on the playoffs. Now, the Vikings and the Bears played at noon. Vikings fans were mad because their team didn't throw the ball enough, right? Establish the run. That's dumb. It's Dalvin Cook, and Justin Jefferson's trying to get a record. Why not get him the record? Vikings fans are mad because their team didn't throw the ball enough. Now Zimmer and Spielman are out. Bears fans on the other side. They were mad because their team didn't run the ball enough because David Montgomery has incentives or whatever, and run the ball and play physical, and Nagy and Pace are now out. So Vikings fans want one thing, Bears fans want the other, everybody's pissed, now no coaches and no GMs are left with those two franchises. The Giants, they scored seven points, they ran a quarterback sneak inside their own five yard line on third and ten, and they finished last in scoring. This season, after signing Kenny Galladay to a huge deal and drafting Kadarius Tony in the first round, that's really hard to do. Also, they got Saquon back. What a dumpster fire. So we're looking at the Raiders, the Chargers, the Rams, the 49ers, the Colts, the Vikings, the Bears, the Giants. All of these teams have issues. Granted, issues of varying severity, but they all have issues. So what about the Packers? What about the Packers? Well, the Packers don't have those issues. My Packers stake is very basic today. We made it through a Packer game yesterday without glaring coaching deficiencies. We made it through without quarterback issues or a horrendous contract or trade hall uh, being an albatross for the team, like in the Niners and the Rams case. The Packers, sure, they lost to the Lions, but they didn't lose to the Jags' 16-point favorites with a playoff spot on the line. Right? The Vikings don't throw the ball enough. That's not an issue the Packers have. The Bears, they don't run the ball enough. That's not an issue the Packers have. The Giants just suck and are an embarrassment, and that's not an issue that the Packers have. So if someone asks you, what do you think about the Packers game Sunday? What do you think? You, You bump into a coworker tomorrow, or you go out to dinner, you go to a bar, and you see a friend, and it's like, hey, what did you think about that Packers game on Sunday? Just reference every other game of the day and say they're not that, and that's a good thing. They're not Brandon Staley, who can't, really get it dialed in as a coach and I'm not blaming Brandon Staley because I really like him that team has other issues but they're not the Chargers and they're not the Raiders who thank God we get to watch them again they have a negative point differential and really we're all losers in this AFC scenario because now we get to watch Big Ben and the Steelers throw two-yard passes and lose in a really boring game that sucks right the Packers don't have a Jimmy G issue or a Matt Stafford issue they didn't lose to the Jags right these are issues the Packers don't have. And you can talk about the Packers losing by seven. Oh, they gave up 37 points. Yeah, well, they're not the Giants, right? Well, the Packers, they they had issues on offense. They went three and out a couple of times in the first half. Yeah, well, they're not the Vikings or the Bears, okay? <laughs> they're, not, they're not the 49ers that gave up a handful of first-round picks to move up for a guy that can't even play. They're not the Vegas Raiders who have lost a bunch of players due to off-field stuff, and now they're on their second coach of the season. Nope. What'd you think of that Packers game on Sunday? It was good. You know why? Because it wasn't one of these other games that were all very entertaining, but really not reflective of a good product. Except for maybe the Niners. The Niners played pretty well. They got to be feeling pretty good going into the playoffs. Everybody else, eh, I don't know. Packers don't have any of those issues. No coaching issues, no quarterbacks. Sturdy GM, right? Unlike Dallas and Tampa Bay, two teams that I didn't mention because both of those teams played meaningless games yesterday. Tampa, beat up on, God, Tampa, Tampa, Tampa beat up on, um, why can't I find the team? The Panthers. I forget the Panthers exist. That's why every time I try to reference them, I'm like, what the hell are they called again? Oh yeah, that team from Carolina, that is embarrassingly bad. Yeah, Tampa went for 41 points over them and Brady broke multiple records. Yeah, well, you're playing the Panthers. They're terrible, right? And then the Cowboys the other night, the Cowboys absolutely waxed the Eagles. They dropped 50. It's like, okay, great. But Dallas and Tampa both getting more injured as they head into the postseason. The Packers, meanwhile, are getting healthier. It looks like we're going to get Zedaria Smith back, which didn't even seem like an option before, you know, a couple of days ago. That's been the last two weeks. Packers just being solid, being steady, not messing anything up, not getting hurt. Meanwhile, other teams are hurting themselves and really showing that they have coaching deficiencies, quarterback deficiencies, owner deficiencies. If you even include press conferences in this opening rant, we had to listen to George McCaskey do his weird Slenderman thing. He might actually be a robot under there. I don't know. But if you want to talk about why the Packers have been good the last two weeks, just look at the rest of the league. All the other games that have been played, all the other decisions that have made, personnel, coaching, GM, ownership, top-down. The Packers aren't that. And we can talk about how they beat Sean Mannion, how they beat the Lions or lost to the Lions yesterday. Not that it matters, but at least they're not everyone else. And that was pretty clear yesterday. It was certainly clear last week when some other teams lost and certainly suffered injuries. Let's take a break. I actually want to talk about the Vikings coming up next because they moved off of their coach and GM today. And I actually, when reflecting on Mike Zimmer and his tenure and the decision the Vikings made today to relieve him of his duties, I actually learned a pretty good life lesson. And I've written it down. I've thought about it. I've hashed it out and I want to share this life lesson with you. Zimmer's parting gift as coach of the Minnesota Vikings and a piece of content on the Wisco Sports Show. That's coming up next. This
1: is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: And I think I need to be boosted like 2 weeks prior so I got to get that done this week. I called. They told me they'd get back to me within the out. And I haven't been called today. And I know, and I've thought about it all day. I was like, I know what's going to happen. As soon as I go on air, they're going to call me back. And then, you know, you know what? I'll take the call on air. I don't care. If they call to make an appointment while I'm on the air, I'm taking the call. I don't care if that's unprofessional. I got, I got to live my life. You schedule a doctor appointment or a COVID test these days, you miss that call. You set yourself back like 24 hours. So listen up, Mayo Clinic Health System. If you call me during the show, I'm taking the call. I'll take it on air. I might mute the mic just to not give sensitive medical information over the air, but I'm not above taking this phone call on the air. I'll do it. I swear. Plus, the Packers played the Lions yesterday. It's not like there's that much content to get to anyways. We got we got time. <laughs> this is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Mills. I hope you had an excellent, excellent weekend. A fun mix of topics today. Now, we can talk about games, the best games yesterday, the 3:30 game between the Niners and the Rams, and then the Sunday night game between the Chargers and the Raiders. Now, maybe the more topical games for us, Packers-Lions, Bears-Vikings, those games didn't really mean anything yesterday, but in the big picture, right? How do we feel about the Packers moving into the playoffs? How do we feel about the Lions' rebuild we talked about last week? Actually, I'm pretty impressed with the Lions. What a good season for them. Now, the Vikings and the Bears, they're going to get new coaches, new GMs. We saw the pressers today, so big, overreaching things to talk about with those two teams and before we dig into the Packers, and I want to talk about the Packers in about 10 minutes, talk about David Bakhtiari and some of the guys they got back yesterday. Because that's an actual important takeaway that we can move forward with into the postseason. It's not just like, well, they got beat on this trick play by this one guy. I don't care. I'll forget about this Lions game within the next two days. I can't even remember the score off the top of my head. It was like 40 to 30 or something like that. So we'll get to Bakhtiari, some of the other guys they got back in about 10 minutes. Right now, I actually want to talk about Mike Zimmer because i've learned a fabulous life lesson from Mike Zimmer over the last 24 hours. I was driving home from my folks' place yesterday. They live in Menominee, just north of Menominee, Wisconsin actually. So, you hit this this great streak of Menominee, Downsville, Durand, Nelson, Wabashaw, Winona, right back to Lacrosse. Very scenic. I like it better in the summer cuz you can see the river and if you do it in the evening the sun setting. awesome drive. Would recommend. I listened to a little bit of the Packers post game on the way and it was just it was it was boring. More so than normal. Right? <laughs> Because the game didn't matter, and it's just a bunch of people calling in trying to evaluate Jordan Love. I'm like, this is a waste of my time. So I dialed up K-Fan, and I guess I didn't really know what to expect from K-Fan, which is the Vikings network, if you don't know. I'm not sure what I expected from K-Fan, but I didn't expect what I got. I can say that because callers would call in and say that Zimmer, Spielman, Cousins, all got to go. You got to get rid of all three of them. Clean sweep, which is a hefty ask. But not extreme, given how the last couple seasons have gone. That's not ridiculous, right? It's not like sell the team, move the team. New coach, new GM, which we expected anyways, and we got today. Why not clean house at the same time? Move on, get a new quarterback, right? Trade Kirk Cousins. It's hefty response to yesterday's loss, or win, I guess, but the season as a whole is a loss. It's a hefty response, but not extreme. It's not a sentiment that should lead a host to hang up on a caller, right? Dave from Monona says weird things every day on this show. I, I don't think I've ever hung up on him. But these hosts on the Vikings fan line or whatever it's called, they would call in and they'd hear, well, you got to get rid of Zimmer, Spielman, Cousins. And they basically pot him down and say, ah, you're just being negative, right? Moving along. They wouldn't listen to these people. This Vikings team missed the playoffs two straight seasons despite lofty preseason expectations and being three or four years removed from making the NFC Championship game and then bringing in the quarterback, the quarterback that's supposed to take you over the top, which Vikings fans need to remember. We all need to remember. When Kirk Cousins was signed, it wasn't to bring them to relevance. It wasn't to bring them to competence. It was to take them to the Super Bowl, and that's the curve that he needs to be graded on, Cousins and the Vikings as a whole, right? If it's not fair for Vikings fans to be negative this week about quarterback, GM, head coach, then when? It really turned me off from K-Fan yesterday, but like I said, the Packers post game wasn't doing it for me, so I, I stuck with it. I want to talk about Zimmer, who acted like a jerk this week, dumped on Kellen Mond, he dumped on a, like he dumped on Justin Jefferson getting a record. Says I don't care. Which okay, you don't need to care about records, but you played all your starters, so you care about your record. That's a little hypocritical. Didn't address the team today. Rick Spielman did not great for Zimmer on his way out the door. And you can say what you want about Leslie Frazier, but Leslie Frazier, nobody said a bad thing about that man, right? Zimmer, I don't know if you can say the same. And Eric Hendricks had some comments today about his relationship with Zimmer and the way that he led, and he wasn't dumping on him, but doesn't sound like it was great towards the end. Right, And we can learn a great life lesson here from Mike Zimmer, starting all the way back to 2018. And I was listening to Matthew Coller's podcast, Purple Insider. Matthew's on the show from time to time. He had Sam Ekstrom, who, by the way, I saw was doing hits on KQRS in the cities, which is a morning show I used to listen to all the time, which was cool. He also had Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus, another friend of the show. So I was listening to this pod, and something occurred to me through the points they were making and the examples they were using. Mike Zimmer never wanted Kirk Cousins. Now, we can surmise that much just based on how Zimmer is and some things that he said. Kirk, in 2018, at the Combine, said this. I'm going to read you this uh, this, uh, quote. Courtney Cronin, ESPN, shared this. Courtney's great. She said, this is what Zimmer said about a quarterback. If you go with the right one, and he does like you anticipate, then everything is good. If you pick the wrong one, it's hard to win in this league without a quarterback. If you pick the wrong one, the whole thing can go downhill. It's important for myself and Rick, Rick Spielman, and the organization to pick the right guy that is going to help us move forward. If we don't do that, then I'll probably be fired. So, so Mike Zimmer, four years ago, was talking, well, if this Kirk guy busts, I'm probably going to get fired because of it. Four years early, he called that. Zimmer thought Kirk would piss him off, check. Zimmer thought that Kirk's contract would lead to a talent drain on his defense, check, which... By the way, when Kirk was signed, I remember all these Vikings fans saying, hey, we got the best cap guy in the league. Well, the best cap guy in the league, if that's even the case, and I don't know because every fan base says they have the best cap guy in the league. The best cap guy in the league still has to play within the cap. And when you're paying Kirk all that money and you're not really getting great playing in return, that's that's going to lead to a talent drain on the defense. And it did. Zimmer saw that coming. Zimmer even prophesied that Kirk Cousins was going to get him fired like he did. And you know what? All the credit in the world to Mike Zimmer. All the, give him all the credit in the world. He was absolutely right. No naivete there. He understands how the world works. He understands the situation that Kirk Cousins is going to put him in. They pay Kirk all this money. Kirk's not going to get blamed because Kirk's getting paid. You need to make it work. And if it doesn't work, it's going to be on me, and I'm going to get fired. And he did. And Mike Zimmer saw this four years ago and was right about everything. But the life lesson that we learned from Mike Zimmer... And the thing that we should think about as we move forward, not just in football, but in our own lives, because this is a great life lesson. Life isn't always about being right, okay? Life is about getting it right. And Mike Zimmer never got it right. Mike Zimmer stubbornly fired all of his offensive coordinators, threw his offensive coordinators under the bus, never really embraced Kirk Cousins, certainly never embraced Stephon Diggs, because he's a defense guy. When I got here, I wanted to coach defense. This is never what I want. I never wanted this team. This is this is a team that was given to me. And I said this from the beginning, and I can see myself getting fired down the line, and I don't want Kirk, and I knew he was going to wreck my defense, and my name's Mike Zimmer, and I'm going to pout. Not actually, but, you know, in the big picture. That's essentially what he did. Mike Zimmer stood in the corner the last two years and said, I was right. I knew this was going to happen. Instead of trying to get it right, trying to lean into Kirk Cousins and find an offensive coordinator that would push back on him a little bit, and design the team the way that it should be designed and run plays the way they should be ran rather than fire this guy, fire this guy, fire this guy, throw this guy under the bus, right? Mike Zimmer knew what was happening all along. He was right. But the people who get farthest in life and succeed aren't the ones who are right. They're the ones who get it right. They're the ones who are able to say, you know what, Uh, this isn't what I want, or this isn't what I expected, but I'm going to make it work. And Mike Zimmer just never did that. He never did that. Mike Zimmer was right from day one, which how many coaches could have seen that coming? I don't know that many coaches in the league in 2018 could have had the foresight to say, well, if this guy goes south, I'm getting fired four years in advance. He said it four years in advance. I give Mike Zimmer all the credit in the world for seeing that coming. But even with all the warning, he stuck to his guns, was stubborn through and through, which is his personality. And it cost him his job. Life isn't always about being right. It's about Getting it right. And while Mike Zimmer was right from day one, he never put in the effort, he was never flexible, and he never adapted to get it right, which is why the Vikings are now looking for a new head coach. Let's take a break. We'll talk about our team, the Green Bay Packers, coming up next. And if you want to send me a text, go ahead. We can keep the Vikings thing going in the background, too. I got multiple hands. We can juggle. 608-796-2558. Tweet me, at Wisco Grant. Send me Viking stuff if you want to talk more, but I'm going to switch to Packers coming up next. I want to talk about the return of David Bakhtiari.
1: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
2: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope you had a yeah, it's 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 bitching weekend. Sunday. Hit me up on the talk attack slide 608-796-2558. Josh is in Sparta. Josh says Amari Rogers looks like he has lost his confidence. I don't know that he ever had any because he ain't it this year. I actually want to talk about wide receivers and the wide receiver depth chart as a whole because that maybe was my biggest takeaway from yesterday's game. We could try to break down Jordan Love and good and bad things that he did, but he's out there throwing to Jawan Winfrey. Amari Rogers, look, Jordan Love might suck, but throwing him out there with those guys, his best target was Patrick Taylor, who's the third string running back. So I want to talk about the weapons and the depth of those weapons. We'll actually talk about Amari Rogers and company in the second half of the show. Josh says defense needs to get cleaned up, trick plays, and the opponent's number one receiver. Yeah, it's always bad when you're getting cooked by the one guy that you know is going to cook you. That was an issue that Mike Petton had. Like against the Saints last year, their defense looked like they forgot that Alvin Kamara existed. And when you go into the NFC playoffs against Cooper Cup, you're going to have to be able to not have that guy beat you. Or Debo Samuel, right? Or Mike Evans, because now Chris Godwin is gone. So their offense is going to be a little bit more focused and boiled down, too. You need to be able to have a plan to stop the other team's number one guy. They didn't have that yesterday, Josh. However, I would like to think that Joe Barry was just about playing something vanilla, just... Going out there, getting some reps, and not really worrying about the results too much. That is my hope. <laughs> we shall see if that's the case here in a few weeks. Dean is in Eau Claire. He says, just tell the folks at the concert that you're immunized. Yeah, maybe I will. Uh, last segment, I said to start that I'm awaiting a call on a vaccine appointment, which I thought was coming this morning, and it just it hasn't come yet. And I've been worried all day that as soon as I went on air at 4 o'clock, then I get the call. I'm going to answer it on the air. So steal my medical information. Just listen closely. If I get that call before six o'clock, here's a text from a shifter says, thanks, Grant, for the quote about getting it right and not being right. Yes, it's good life advice. I actually stole that from Colin Cowherd. Um, Life isn't always about being right. Life is about getting it right. Mike Zimmer was right on Kirk Cousins from day one. Problem is life isn't about being right. You got to get it right. And he never got it right and never adapted and actually made an effort to make it work. He just sat in the corner and was like, I didn't want this guy anyway. Well, okay, but you're going down with him either way, so you might as well try to make it work, and he never really did, at least not for too long and not more than once or twice. I want to talk about the Packers. By the way, tweet me as well. You can call and text, but tweet me at Wisco Grant. You can follow me on Twitter there. I want to talk about the Packers a little bit. Yesterday's a tough game to evaluate. We got to consider what they were trying to accomplish yesterday, right? Let's make a to-do list. Like, if you are trying to decide whether or not your day is a success. And it's easy if you have a to-do list. You wake up in the morning, you write down some things, you check them off, and then if you get to the end of the day and everything's crossed off, you're like, there. That was a successful day, right? So let's make a to-do list. What would the to-do list for the Packers game look like yesterday? What would have been on there? My opinion. Number one, don't get anyone hurt. Number one, overall, don't lose Devontae Adams to a bum knee. Don't let Aaron Rodgers re-aggravate his toe. Don't lose another offensive lineman to a severe injury. Just, Just don't get hurt. Now, MVS had a back thing, and we didn't get much clarity on that from Matt Lafleur today, hopefully at some point this week. Other than that, all clear. All clear. So there we go. Check that box. That's good. That's number one, most important. Number two, I think get some reps for players who are trying to return. So David Bakhtiari, Josh Myers, anyone else that's missed time and is trying to come back, get him some reps for the playoffs. Check that box. Bakhtiari, Josh Myers, both played yesterday. Boom. So number one, number two, we're killing it. Number three... After everyone has been made healthy and protected, and after you get reps for some players that have missed time, then number three, the next most important thing, is to keep your players in rhythm, knock off some rust, set whatever records you can set, in the case of Devontae Adams, and maybe get some reps for Jordan Love. And that's at the bottom of the list. I have reps and rhythm. Let's call it R&R, reps and rhythm. I have that last at the bottom of the list, behind health, behind reps for players who are coming off of injury. Now, I'm glad they played. Glad they went through the routine, got dressed, suited up, ran some plays, scored some points. right? All things we talked about last week. But these reps guarantee you nothing in two weeks, right? Just because Aaron Rodgers and company played yesterday doesn't mean they're going to show up red hot in two weeks. They still need to do whatever they need to do and show up with whatever they need to show up with to make it work in two weeks. Just because they played yesterday and had some good moments, some good connections with Lazard and Adams and Rodgers and the running game and dylan that's all great but that doesn't guarantee anything in two weeks. I think it raises the chance that the offense plays better, but it doesn't guarantee it. So we'll see. They got to show up. They can't no show, right? I'm having flashbacks of 2016 and 2019 and last January where they show up and they're just, they're sleepwalking in these games and they fall behind seven to nothing, 10 to nothing. And they really put themselves in a hole, right? They'll be favored against anyone. They play in the divisional round and anyone in the championship round, should they be lucky enough to make it? But you can't sleepwalk into these games, and that's been a problem for them in the past. Now, I'd like to think that the chance of that happening is a little bit smaller because all these guys played yesterday, but it's still not a guarantee. That's why I have that number three. Number one, don't get anyone hurt. And number two, get Bakhtiari and Josh Myers some reps. And Josh Myers might have been the forgotten man yesterday. I don't even know if they mentioned him on the broadcast. And if they did, I might have missed it. Apologize, I, I was not dialed into this game yesterday. It was on, and I was listening, but... Was eating lunch with my dad, and who the game didn't matter. So it's not like I was dialed in. I didn't hear a lot about Josh Myers. I had to actually check on Twitter. I was like, did Myers get in the game? Did he play? Yep. Okay. So Josh Myers played center. You slide Lucas Patrick over. You get some reps for David Bakhtiari, the all pro left tackle. Here's Matt LaFleur talking just in general about getting David Bakhtiari back.
0: It's a big injury that he's coming off of, and I know this. It wasn't for a lack of work or want to. David has been grinding, been putting in the time, and it's just one of those things. It's not like cookie cutter where eight months or nine months. I think everybody's a little bit different. Everybody responds to things a little bit differently, and everybody's injuries are a little bit different.
2: You know, this isn't really related, but you know what that answer made me think of? Made me think of Brian Bulaga, because that man, we love to bitch about how he would always get hurt. Well, some fans would. I'm an owner, so I'm above most fans. <laughs> but a lot of people complain that David Bakhtiari, right, or not David Bakhtiari, but Brian Bulaga would always be hurt. Oh, I love Bakhtiari, but he's always hurt. He's Bulaga, sorry, they're interchangeable, right? Bulaga blew his knee out twice in his Packers career. But you could set your watch that he would be back week one the following season, and from the first snap he took, he would be nails. And he, he always was. Brian Bulaga, yes, he injured his knee twice. And that sucks. But he came back exactly when you wanted him to be back. And he was ready to go. And he played it an elite level right from the jump. Like nothing ever happened. Like nothing happened. Like cat owners. You maybe have experienced this. We had this with our childhood cat. It would just disappear for a month. Like, where the hell did the cat go? Let it outside. And it's, it's been gone. And then you come to terms with it. You're like, oh, it's gone. I don't Coyote got it or what? And then it comes strutting back a month and a half later. No clue where it was, what it was doing. And the cat just acted like nothing happened. Right? You've experienced this, right? That was Brian Bulaga. He would blow out his knee, but then day one of the next season, he would walk through the door and be amazing like nothing ever happened. And Bakhtiari works as hard as anyone. Matt LaFleur says it's not through lack of effort. It's not through lack of energy or attack the rehab. His body's just different. Everybody's different. And Brian Bulaga literally was built different because that man would blow out his knee, take four months off, show up the next season, be like, all right, who do you want me to block? Where's Everson Griffin right there? All right, come here. And And he would play amazing. This makes me appreciate Brian Bulaga retroactively, maybe we should appreciate him a little bit more. More from Matt LaFleur, especially on David Bakhtiari exiting the game when he did, because I think we all got a little bit of a pit in our stomach. He explains the timing of Bakhtiari's exit from the game.
0: I think he just felt more fatigued than anything else, so I, I, I wouldn't say that it's anything that we're truly concerned about, but I think with anybody that c- is coming back, you got to see how you respond from this. Like, what, what does tomorrow look like? What does it feel like? So, you know, we'll continue to work and monitor, and hopefully I can give you guys a update later
2: so nothing too bad it's fatigue okay that's fine if i don't do a show for an entire week i'm a little bit out of breath i get it but talk radio professional sports basically basically the same thing more from alif
0: there was not like a necessarily we didn't necessarily have a exact pitch count on him it was more like i told you guys throughout the course of the week we're going to play it by feel and see where he's at and when he started to get fatigued that's when we thought it was the best to pull him
2: just get him some reps get him in the flow of things, get him some repetitions before the playoffs, and then when he feels that, yep, pull him out. That sounds great. We all became snap count detectives yesterday, too. It was so funny. Like, when Bakhtiari got pulled, everyone on Twitter's like, well, he played 25 snaps. They must have had a 25-snap limit. Like, we're watching baseball, trying to figure out where the pitch limit is and when the guy's going to get pulled. It's like, no, he was just tired, so they pulled him out. But we all turned into detectives looking at how many plays he ran and exactly where they were drawing the line and this is funny. Aaron Rodgers speaking about David Bakhtiari and Josh Myers both coming back. And I'm glad he talked about Josh Myers because Lafleur didn't. What
1: the hell? Obviously, Billy's coming back from an injury. Uh, Royce has played a ton of football for us. Lucas played a ton of football for us. We've got to figure out what our best five is. And, you know, it's nice to see Dave out there, at left tackle, and Josh in there at center. And then Lucas moving back to center in the second half. And Royce going back in right guard. I think we have a, a lot of depth, which is a good thing to have. And we'll see what Billy's status is going forward for the playoffs. But
2: you know, I like where we're at offensively up front. I like that Rodgers mentions depth. We got a lot of depth. Depth is a good thing, right? I think this discussion is a little bit deeper. You talk about the Bucks. Oh, we, want, we like depth. Depth is good. Or the Brewers. Depth in the bullpen. You cannot have too many good relievers. We learned that in 2018. I'd like a closer. Well, now I'd like another closer. He could be our setup man. And then I want a third really good closer like Corey Knebel. And we'll actually just use him in the fifth inning to close it down for Yulish Shasin. And then Corbin Burns can be our middle relief guy. He'll be great. And why don't we also add Joaquin Soria and Xavier Cedeno because those guys are really good too. And like, it's it's not subtractive. Getting Josh Hader or Jeremy Jeffers doesn't make Corey Knebel worse. You just have more depth. Depth is a good thing in baseball. Depth is a good thing in basketball, especially right now with all the COVID and all the injuries. It's a little bit more complicated than that for offensive line because it's a consistency position. You don't like rotating guys in and out on the offensive line. Nobody does that. The best teams up front on the offensive line are always the teams that use the fewest combinations over the course of a season. I remember in 2014 when the Packers and the Cowboys played in the postseason. I don't remember if I was listening on the radio, listening to the pregame, uh, in the morning, probably coming home from church before the game or something, or we were watching the pregame, and there was a graphic, or somebody mentioned on the on the radio or TV broadcast, these two teams have used by far the fewest offensive line combinations all season, and that was when DeMarco Murray and the Cowboys were just mean up front, and that was when the Packers had who? Sitton and Bakhtiari and Bulaga and Lane Taylor was setter on that line. I'm not sure, but that offensive line was amazing, and both teams were great up front because they used as few combinations as possible. You don't know, like rotating guys in and out. So, unless you're dealing with massive injuries, wholesale injuries across the offensive line, depth really isn't that important because in a perfect world, you don't use your depth. But in baseball, especially nowadays, you use your depth in the bullpen. Basketball, right now with COVID and with injuries in a long season, you use your depth, at least until you get into the postseason. Nobody's rotating offensive linemen in and out. But the Packers and I don't know if it's Goody or if it's coaching, they find offensive linemen that can move around and move around really without their play dropping off. Elton Jenkins moves to center. He's great. Moves to left tackle. He's by and large great. <laughs> right? You move Lucas Patrick to center. He's great. Bring Josh Myers back. Move Lucas Patrick back to guard. He's still great. Not every team can do that. It's not as simple as getting a good guy back and moving this guy over here. But that doesn't net a positive result for most teams, but it does for the Packers. And it's the versatility on the offensive line that affords depth to be an asset. Otherwise, depth is just depth. You just got extra bodies and really one guy isn't as good as the next, is the next, or you just got a bunch of guys, right? It's the Packers' ability to find offensive linemen that are interchangeable that allows depth to be an asset. Otherwise, depth doesn't mean much along the offensive line because you don't want to rotate guys in and out. The Packers can. and Their play doesn't drop off. They were an above average pass blocking offensive line this year and they missed four starters for the majority of the season that's absurd that's ridiculous now positions of depth not normally the offensive line but it is for the packers what about defensive lines at area smith cornerback jair alexander we'll talk about those two positions and what the return of those two guys could mean for the packers we'll do that coming up next but first an update from mike clements wisco sports show back after this
1: this is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers losing to the Lions 37 to 30 here at Detroit's Ford Field. Green Bay scored first on a 13 play drive and a touchdown pass to Alan Lazard. You
0: know, I think he did a great job in the first half coming out there with the starters and be able to kind of put some points up on the board. Um, just get into that rhythm, get into you know, the play calling. You know It's going to be another two weeks before we play a game again. So if we didn't play today, it would have been three
1: weeks. I not think anyone really wants to do that. But the Lions came roaring back with a razzle-dazzle play that had wide receiver Tom Kennedy throwing a touchdown pass to Khalif Raymond that covered 75 yards. Detroit's rookie Amon St. Brown says the Lions had run that play just two weeks ago against the Falcons.
0: We ran against Atlanta. We ran at that play where I come Across, get that handoff twice. Actually, before that play, Tom Kennedy threw. Um, I'm lined up, and all I hear from the sideline is 14's getting the ball coming across, 14's getting the ball, and I'm just smiling because I already know what's about to happen. So I get the ball give it to tk and tk just throws a dime to to Khalif, so it was perfect
1: the packers defense fooled by trick plays giving up 37 points the most all year since their week one loss to the saints matt lafleur
0: defense football in general comes down to discipline and people owning their roles and when you aren't disciplined or you go outside the scheme bad stuff happens we cannot have that we need all 11 doing their damn job.
1: So the Packers begin the postseason with a bye week at 3-13-1. The Lions look forward to next year with the number two pick overall in the draft, Lions quarterback Jared Goff.
0: It's been obviously a rocky year, hard, not fun in certain instances, and then it's a tale of two seasons, kind of, the first half and the second half. And granted, the second half record still isn't tremendous, but the way we played was better.
1: Best Packers
2: coverage. Mike Excuse me matt lafleur so i've seen mike lafleur's name in a lot of coaching rumors today matt lafleur pulling out some salty language dropped the d-bomb he said damn thank you uh mike clemens motor city mike from that report from detroit he was at the game yesterday i like dan campbell's lions they're a fun team they're fun did you see what he said about going forward on fourth down because he's been really aggressive this year on fourth down we all talk about brandon staley because we watched the Chargers because of Justin Herbert and because of that division. But Dan Campbell's been going for a lot of fourth downs this year. And he gave the reasoning recently. And did you see what it was? Had nothing to do with numbers, nothing to do with analytics, because God forbid Americans are ever explained anything with math because we just view that as witchcraft. No, he said when I was with Sean Payton in New Orleans, he would go for it a lot on fourth down. And I'd always look over at the opposing sideline and you could just see them. They'd be like, ugh, they dread it. They'd fear it. What does your opponent not want you to do? They never wanted Sean Payton and the Saints to go for it. That's what they that's what they were hoping not to happen. So that's what they did. And you know what the numbers back it up too, but God forbid we ever explain anything with numbers, which I'm pretty sure we learned with in Parks and Rec, right? And that show's become way too realistic. I don't even like watching Parks and Rec anymore because it's like, oh, this is actually our country, and people are actually the stupid. Great. Awesome. We'll hear more from Mike before the end of the show, and we'll hear from him live in the flesh tomorrow at 5.30 when we talk about this game and, of course, look to maybe some playoff matchups and kind of look at the season in review. Alan Lazard, a player who got hot and was great down the stretch. We hope that continues. I want to talk about that in a half hour. Right before that last break, we were talking about David Bakhtiari and Josh Myers and how they're back and how that affords the Packers' offensive line. Great depth. Depth in a position that depth normally isn't a thing. You know what I mean? It's like first base depth in Major League Baseball. Ideally, you have one first baseman, and he's great. You have Freddie Freeman. You have Prince Fielder. You don't look at a team and think, that team's loaded. They got great depth at first base. No one wants depth at first base. Offensive line depth is only as good as how versatile it is, how multiple it is. Can you move guys around? Can you adjust? Can you adapt on the fly? Because if you can't, then what does it matter? You just got a bunch of guys, and if you start plugging them in, everything's going to fall apart. I'm interested to see how Jair Alexander's return helps the secondary, and I guess Zedaria Smith could legit come back, which yesterday I was resigned to the fact that he wasn't. He's on the sideline and a chain and t-shirt. I'm like, he hasn't barely practiced yet. He's not coming back. Well, I guess he's ready this week to begin practicing. Zedaria Smith and Jair Alexander play two traditional positions of depth. To keep the baseball analogy going, you want depth at starting pitcher right? Defensive line is like starting pitcher. You want to be able to rotate, have a solid rotation of guys. Depth at defensive line and having area Smith back, that would be great. Depth in the secondary, you want as many good corners and safeties as possible because you can mix up coverages, you can design specific defenses based on opponent week to week. Jair and Zedaria Smith coming back and the flexibility that gives the defense, that could be huge. And a defense that's reeling a little bit, they need a little juice, they need a shot in the arm, those two extra bodies could be exactly what the doctor ordered for Joe Barry and company, that Packers defense. Let's take a break. We'll look at some other games that happened yesterday, and I'll hit you with my big picture takeaway. Week 18 of the Packers. First, an update from Zach Heilman.